Hello and welcome to a special bonfire night edition of Open All Ours. The Rockets may have stopped firing and the defence continues to be a damp squid, but incredibly we're still two points off the playoffs, so that's not bad, is it? Uh, before I like the... That yes, I did. Yes, I did. How can you tell? Before I like the blue and white touch paper, that's the end of it, I promise. On tonight's proceedings, a few bits of housekeeping. If you want to get in touch with us, it's at QPR Pod on Twitter. Look for QPR Podcast uh, on Facebook and the website is west12media.co.uk. So I'm Chris Charles, by the way, and I'm joined by four fellow R's, uh, Funky Flowers Supremo Paul Finney. <coughs> <laughs> and that was funny. That, Carry on. <laughs> that, was, uh, <laughs> that cough you heard was from QPR Women's <laughs> Manager Steve Quasi. Welcome, Steve. Thank you. Thank you. It's good to be here. It's okay. Steve knows me. It's fine. <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah. yeah. We go back a long way. Journalist and broadcaster Flo Lloyd-Hughes. And he's got my mic. Hello. And Johnny Mack, who I think is returning for his fifth yeah. appearance. Is that right, Johnny? That's right. We're gonna, we'll are gonna we say five. I think yeah, it's five. I think so. Well, it's definitely fifth. I think it's fifth. Yeah. So you're like... Um, do you know what I found out the other day? Seriously, guys, before you go into housekeeping and do yeah, anything. I've done that. How many times do you reckon Gus Caesar played for QPR? Roughly. Too many. It's about 12. It's 14. Oh. Don't win a prize for that. I thought it was about two games. I was there for his debut at Wimbledon. Loyal supporter. How bad? No, no, I'm not saying that. How, how bad was his debut? Only to be eclipsed by Rob, Bob Malcolm a few years later. But that was two worst debuts ever. Gus Caesar. This is one for the listeners, all right? Because I've been away for a while. So I've been saving this up. Sorry, Chris. That's all right, man. No, the worst on. two debuts ever. I'm going Bob Malcolm and Gus Caesar. Can anyone outdo me? Well, I remember Dominic Iorfa. Oh, Danny Capaldi. Ah! Oh! Right. Who, uh, who, and the, and the press. The, the the big story was how quick he was and the and the great shot that he had on him. And I think he came on, fell over, pulled a hamstring, and then went off. And I think that was his, the the sum of his debut. And so, as well. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right, okay. I mean, these these sort of questions are stupid. Carry on. Now, Steve, not only are you the manager, you're also a proper QPR fan. Yes, I'm you? glad you said proper because there's been a few discussions in this room already about what's a proper QPR supporter. <laughs> no, so, no, has yeah. it? No, what I, I said. Guess who that was involving? Yeah. No, no, what I said was as I grew up in Ladbroke Grove after leaving, coming here in a boat basically, and Steve. It trumped me, which I didn't expect because I thought Steve was from Acton in my head. No. <laughs> Steve grew up in College Park, NW10 Post. I didn't know that. I was trying to do you in. At the bottom end of Amsterdam Fulham, as before you go into Kensal Green. So I win. Yeah. So what's you. your era, Steve? What's As a kid, who were you... Who, who, great as well. Who were you watching growing up? It was the 80s. For me, it was... Um, my first game, actually, was in 1981. So I watched um, Gay Waddock score a goal against Notts County. Well, I was a child at the time. I was only an infant. But I started going regularly in eighty four, eighty five season. Gary Bannister, Ian Stewart, oh, Ian Dawes. That was such a great yeah. side back then. Like Peter Hucker. It worries me that when I talk to some QPR fans and I'm being serious about Ian Stewart, they don't get it. They don't get how good Ian Stewart was. Ian Stewart was probably the most talented player, apart from Roy Wiggler, who didn't know he was talented. Mm. That I've seen at Rangers, Ian Stewart could have done anything he wanted, but just got into the clash and the Sex Pistols. <laughs> well, <laughs> nothing wrong with that, mate. I mean, you come to London. And it's fine, but Ian Stewart was just great. I loved Ian Stewart. That goal against Arsenal. When he yeah. bent it in, yeah, I know. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like, that's that's yeah. talent. Quality footwork, he was. He was a special footballer. Steve, before we yes. get on to the Leeds game, um, 
obviously you managing the women's team. Uh-huh. Decent start to life in the hot seat there. Very good start to the season. We're really enjoying our football. You know, we've got a good bunch of players that, that wear the badge of pride. We've got some staff as well that enjoy representing the football club and it's a nice harmonious environment and everyone's flourishing exceptionally well. Because I didn't hear that much about the women's team like in years gone by, but it seems to be coming a bit more to the fore now. Well, yeah, it has. I mean, for years I um, I uh, was the head chairman, well, head chairman, I should say, the chairman and head coach for the for the girls' programme. Um, and young Flo, when she was in her teens, huh? played and won the teams actually and, and won, uh, won the County Cup against Enfield Town. Big win. Big win. She came in as a goalkeeper and I converted her to being a centre-half. And lo and behold, she went in the back line crunching players. And, uh... <laughs> that, was my main, that was my main tactic, was crunching. That was kind of my best ability, I'd say. Was Decent the passing factor. as well. Decent passing heading as well. So that was uh, a joy to see her here. So you've obviously got word, good words to say about Steve as a coach then. Oh, yeah. He was a great coach. A great coach. And there's, it was amazing to see him progress into managing the women's team because there's lots of the players that I played with who I see now um, still and we're, we're in contact. And Steve definitely had like, quite a big impact on us as kind of young footballers. And it's quite rare you kind of get coaches like that. Um, especially I think in the women and girls game, you know, you often hear of kind of bad experiences, but Steve really kind of set a good example for everyone and he made football really fun, which is the main point is, you know, we all play football because we want to enjoy it and, you know, it should never feel like a chore. And that was the, the kind of the best bit about it. Brilliant. So the big question, Steve, is why is Flo not playing in your team now? <laughs> well, rumour has it that Flo left football and went over to netball. So I hear. Ooh. Oh, well, I mean, I don't actually play netball that much anymore. I used to. Um, I still play five-a-side, but um, I haven't played 11-a-side since I stopped playing yeah. then. So it's been a while. God, you're only in your 20s. Well, yeah, so I stopped playing for the girls to about 16. And I'm oh, 26 okay. now, so I haven't played 11-a-side about 10 years. Uh, you look good for 26. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, mate. Oh, sorry, you're talking... <laughs> What I'm thinking is, and are we now using this podcast as a recruiting sergeant, Steve? I think get Flo out there and get her back into training, get her, mould her back into the player that she could have been. A bit like Fulham tried to do with Geordie Best. I'm with you. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, you, I'm with you. You drag yeah. them back and you say, look, you're not finished just yet. Well, I'm thinking Flo could probably train with our development team. Have a short trial. You of know them. what? I'm a yeah. bit too, but I'm a bit too short to be a centre back. Now I'm only five foot three. That's you need to have a bit a right more, back, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but you yeah. can jump. That's yeah. true. That's right, everyone. Great listen, the it's great to talk about all this. My um, football career. I guess we should get on to the Leeds can we game. Talk my football career. No, no. Uh, right, Finney, we'll start Did with you. Back in the day. Did you play on me? <laughs> Finney, we'll start with you. Finney winning his 145th cap tonight on the podcast. I've been here for a few weeks, actually. No. I've been away. Well, you could have clocked up your 150 if you had been. Um, Leeds, what can we say about Leeds? I've never liked them. I never forgive them for loads of things they've done in the past. Horrible place to go to, horrible ground, horrible fans. Um, talk about deluded. I mean, when you talk about deluded supporters, you kind of think of when Forest fans sometimes get carried away but brought themselves on earth. Leeds have won nothing for decades and yet still think they're big fish. Never understood it myself. Anyway, yeah. Um, yeah, the and, game really. I and the prices they charge as well is in line with the most ridiculous in Europe, never mind this country. What was it for an away 35? Uh, I think it's more than that. Really? Yeah, it's more than that. It's, it's kind of like, they've, they've had it for years. Chef, they've been Sheffield Wednesday are just ridiculous. Anyway, um, I kind of, 
What grabbed me about Saturday wasn't so much how we lost the game, because I think it was always one of them games you, you go to pencil and send, we've got to go to Ellen Road and give it our best and get our formation sorted and either go three at the back and do this and do that. And, do, and I think we were kind of caught between the Brentford match and the Reading match where our confidence wasn't that high. I'd like to see us good leads when our confidence is a lot higher than it was like a few weeks ago, but hindsight and all that. And they did a job with us. I'm disappointed with the defending. I'm dis- disappointed with our, our, our shots ratio. Everyone keeps saying about possession and stats. Well, no, it's shots. You can hurl the ball as much as you want, but you want to get some shots in there. Um, Wallace's inter- interview afterwards is really strange. Seemed like a very angry man. Like, I've been here for quite a while. Win it for my debut. I got it and we lost. Didn't enjoy that. And he didn't look very happy. Um, and the only highlight that QPR had to show was his tackle, which was great. But when Bamford scores a diving header, even if it is offside, you've got to worry what you're doing at the back. You've got to. And I'm kind of the question I would ask all of us tonight is: we've got to try and search for a best eleven and think: do we have the holding midfielders, the attacking midfielders, or what? Because something's not working. Because I think we're now the only team, and everyone's going to say, "Oh, I'm being negative." And yeah, it's my job to be negative because I'm quite a miserable sort. Um, <laughs> that hasn't had a clean state and that worries me it's because it's a monkey on your back that once you get these things it's so hard to shed and whether it's Kelly whether it's Lumley whether it's Leicester whether it's the fence that we use we're not having clean sheets so what are we doing wrong? I know Steve you've had a few clean sheets this season what's the tech what's the uh, secret? The difference is with, with the women's team is we're quite experienced side we've got you know four young players in our squad an average age of, of 24 we're playing in a, in a decent league. Um, you need to keep smiling, Mr. Finney. <laughs> but for me as a QPR supporter, and I'm going to say it again because I'm a local QPR supporter, grew up in College Park, Finn, just listen very carefully. <laughs> I've walked down to soft and after so many times. I think the way we're playing, we're playing quite an expansive brand of football. We are going to be open at times, but I think we need to really reflect and be positive about our performances thus far. You know, you flip, flip it back 12 months ago, it was a different type of style of play. And Warburton, you you happy with him so far? Very happy with him so far, yeah. He's given youth a chance. He's, he's come in and he's embraced the football club and there's a lot of a lot of fans that are behind him now, you know, because he has... I think he's, he puts a lot of hard work into his sessions and also his analysis. And he's got a good team of, of coaches around him as well. And the bind the bind's been superb so far. Do you see so, much of him around? I've seen him. I saw Mark uh, last week at the training ground. And um, yeah, we had a good catch up and quite quite a polite young man. <laughs> so can I ask, as, as a manager, and the fact that you know we're clearly been sort of shipping goals game after game, and you hear that managers come in and you go back to sort of George Graham, who would you know build from the back and say, you know, I'm going to start with my defence, keep my defence solid, and then sort of build from there. It feels like we've done QPR, I've done the opposite, and we've got a great attacking flair. We've got the young players and been great going forward and. To your point around our shots ratio at the weekend, five games ago, my kids were giving me stats that we'd created the most chances, had the most shots. Mm. So going forward, it looked like we didn't have a problem. And that's where we'd started our sort of footballing philosophy, if you like. But as a manager, where, where do you start? Do you start with sort of the going forward bit or do you start with the, the For me, I go, the forward, I go forward. For me, it's about attacking because, I mean, football's a simple game to where I see it. And if you get more balls into the attacking box, you're going to score more goals than the opponent's. Well, okay. And we have to to yeah, a point, that's right. <laughs> and then and then eventually you, you know you, you work your way backwards. But I think if you go negative first and work on the defence, you, you're going to you know end up being on the back foot in, in many games of football. 
So do you think the QPR first team, do you think we carry on doing what we're doing and Absolutely. focus on yeah, the I think we just make a few, a few tweaks as we go along, but we carry on, on being an attack-minded team. Flo, have we been found out? Oh. I think... <laughs> In terms of some of the games we've struggled, we've struggled with at home or lost. So West Brom, Reading, uh, Brentford. I think what those games showed is that if you do press us and you put pressure on Kelly or Lumley, whoever it may be in the goal at that time, uh, we do struggle. And we, if you force us to kick it long or you press us high, you'll probably kind of reap your rewards. And I guess we had a lot of success early in the season because some teams hadn't found that out yet or hadn't focused on that as a tactic. And now they're realising that I wouldn't necessarily say we have a brilliant kind of backup plan, which is what, you know, Warburton's being criticised for throughout his whole career is not necessarily being able to adapt uh, in situations and, and being, you know, having quite a core philosophy that he sticks to, which in some ways is great because you know what kind of manager you're getting um, and you're not getting someone who's a bit kind of fluffy and ambiguous, which we definitely had in the past. Uh, but at the same time, you know, it's a little bit one-dimensional and Warburton also loves to focus on the quality of chances created. He always talks about, you know, it's not just having you know, a, a, a shot, it's about whether, you know, those shots are, are leading to goals. And I do, I completely understand that and it, he's going to stick to that. But I do wonder, I, mean, I know the women train probably in the evening, so it's hard to know what they're, what the first men's team are working on the day. But I mean, I just want to know if they are sitting down and watching tape about corners and things like yes, that. Yes, I mean, look. That's what worries me. <laughs> the professional game is, it's evolved over the years. And it will continue to. The, the staff at the, at the training ground, not just at Rangers, but ours, you know, I'll talk about QPR because we're here. They spent hours <clears throat> going for analysis, uh, video replay, working on tactics and strategies, not just on the football pitch, but with sports science included and strength and conditioning. So it's, it's a big operation, you know, but what you can look at, I mean, you know, you, you mentioned the West Brom. West Brom have got a, a big budget there, former premiership club that are very strong and looking like they're going to get promoted this season, you know, and that's what we need to be be mindful of. It's interesting because in a recent game uh, on Loftus Road, Mike Warburton changed the tactics in the second half and we got a win and everyone was saying, oh great, he's a tactician, he's a masterclass. We've had a little blip, that's all it is. Championship is a, is a ruthless division where you're playing games Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Wednesday and it's tough. You know, we are going to drop points along the way but at the same time we have to embrace what we've achieved and what we'll continue to achieve moving forwards. I agree, um, but I will say this. Well, then you don't agree because you said but. <laughs> It's easy. It's when you're limited with vocabulary like I am, it's an easy <laughs> word to say. What upset me after the Brentford match was the performance, the you know, you got into these games. I mean, whatever we think about Brentford and a lot of people dismiss them as this out there because they didn't play them enough, blah blah. They're still rivals in a sense. Um and for them to have the record that they're having over us now with this beat this all the time and everything else, it's hard to keep stomaching. And when you see them in the dressing room celebrating the way they celebrate it, it's what it means to them. And I'm sick to death of Fulham and Brentford coming to our ground and just pissing on us. You know, at some point we've got to turn around to this, the side and say, you've got to stop this. Don't I care how you do it. Our bookings are crap against these teams in local derbies. Get stuck in. You know, don't let Brentford come here without leaving the ground knowing they've been in the game. Even if your man was good. I know it was a dodgy penalty, it was shite and everything else. But get him afterwards. Do you know what I mean? Like you say, okay, you won the penalty, good on you. 
You're going down. So let me just hear this again. So you're saying get stuck in and what? Get yellow cards and red cards and go down to seven players. Is that? I have no problem I hope doing not. that. I have no problem doing that because the game to me was lost because they 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 had completely done a job on us. We were not going to win that game. Whatever we were doing was not working. And they sussed us because they had so much movement in midfield. They were so much better than us. They were so much first every ball. And for a local derby again, it kind of upset me because it was one of the few ones we got into it thinking, you know what, this Rangers side can do it. I'm not saying that's season over, that's it, that's it, Finito. What Mark's done so far has been amazing and it's brilliant. But it would have been nice to put Reading to the sword and Brentford to the sword. And then whatever happens at Leeds happens. But it continues now. It's not a blip we're in. It's a kind of a pick up. <laughs> well, it's, it, a, it's, a, it's a dip only because if you'd have said to me, where, "Well, you had the conversation at the start of the season, where do you expect to finish?" and I think the average between sort of eight and twelve. Mm. Well, where are the coming? Where, 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 what eighth, ninth, or twelve? Wherever we are, we're. See, I'm only just coming here because I sit in the uh, in the upper loft stand, and also you know sometimes I fluctuate towards the uh, lower loft. A lot of supporters will say we're going to finish in the bottom five. A lot of supporters what, around me. When? At the start of the season? At the, well, before the season started and at the start of the season as well, even after two games. So, so I, I agree with you. So my point is, if you actually rewind and say, well, where where did people think we'd be? I thought we'd be, or I would have been happy between 8 and 12 as a progression on the year before. To have been sort of top six is, is ex- massively exceeded everyone's expectations and probably did feel like we were punching above our weight a little bit and probably feeling like we've overachieved and we hadn't beaten anyone sort of above us. And it's a bit of a reality check of where we are. So, all right, the last three games haven't been good, but the however many games before that have been brilliant. Absolutely. And there's a lot of supporters that you know I've known over the years that I've went to school with and, and college, etc. And, and they're coming back to QPR now. They're coming back and they stayed away for many years because of the brand of football and the feel-good mm. factor around the place. Yeah. No, that's good to hear. But I, I think in some ways we are a victim of our own success because no one was expecting us to make the start we have. No one was expecting us to play the brand of football we've been playing from the get-go, especially with like you know 12 going out and 13 coming in or the other way around, whatever mm. it was. So I think, you know, like two games ago, we, if we'd won, we'd have gone second in second place, which is just ridiculous, really. So I, I'm with you. I think it is... I think it's a, a it's a blip, but it's, it's certainly not a must-win game at this time of the season. But we could do with a decent performance get Middlesbrough but, just to stop the rot a little bit. Okay, back. so against sorry, go sorry on. I'm saying in the Brentford game, prior to the penalty being awarded, I thought we were going to win. Yeah, I did. We I'm, had the momentum. Yeah, yeah right. I agree with and, that. And I, I agree and with and that. One all. I can't remember. Was, was that what was it? Half time. We two one down at half time. Is it two one? No one. Mm, I, can't, oh, I can't remember. Well, whenever the penalty was, had the penalty yeah. not got had the penalty not gone in. Or not, or not been given. We were just coming back into the game. I think we just scored, and we started to get a bit of momentum. And I think it just sort of knocked the stuffing out of us a bit. And then we had to go on the attack again, and we were going to open ourselves up. See, I said different to that because what I was watching, and we all watch games differently, and I'm massively negative. I know that, but what I was saying was them um, controlling the midfield, which has been our strong point. We haven't let anyone do that. And for me, again with Brentford and, and Fulham, I just wanted to go in there, do them, and. Have a wee bit of a talking about football, yes, in the football sense. Okay. Steve, you know me. <laughs> Just but also, they did, they did. I mean, they did, they did what they needed to do. They knew that our, you know, exciting and uh, players that are creative players are as they in chair. So they, you know, locked them down and, so and stop them, stop from exciting players. Because we don't really play that way. <laughs> we we create space. We don't. I mean, I we don't the, the, the close it down. Brentford's organisation and they set up a very strong defensive block, made it very frustrating for us to play through. We played across and played forwards, 
but it was hard to get it behind them because of the way they set up and then obviously they got a late goal to, to get the third. There's one player whose name's been on everyone's lips this season, Barry Eze. Uh, I don't know who wants to start talking about him. Maybe you can, Steve? No, ladies first. <laughs> Go on then, Flo. Well, he's, he's obviously <laughs> he's obviously an exciting player um, and I don't think we want to put too much pressure on, on him because obviously last season uh, he had a really good start to the season and sort of tailed off a little bit and probably needed a bit of a break and he was probably carrying a lot of pressure on his shoulders as fireworks <laughs> after fireworks. Every, yeah, everything I'm saying. Um, Emery Ezi is getting his own fireworks display. But um, I think well. he's, I you know, <laughs> he's already outperformed his previous um, goal tallies. So he's definitely, you know, progressed as a player and he looks so confident. Uh, it's just about making sure that he can kind of be consistent and also link up with other players and not put too much put too much pressure on him. Have him as like the sole kind of core of the team because we've got we've got talented players elsewhere. We you know Chair is really exciting. I say Samuel's really exciting. Manning's obviously you know done really well this season. Got a couple of assists. Wells is a brilliant striker. Hugel's more of a kind of big target man. So we've got options. We don't necessarily need to put everything through him. But what, what, what I would say about Ezzy was we would just have this conversation a wee second ago as we were trying to link up to the pod. And to me, you've got to give him the position that he wants. You've got to say to him, because he's an intelligent plug. He knows what he's doing. I thought he was wasted against Brentford. I thought he was wasted against Reading. Um, just say, going down the middle, he's he just drags so many players out of position. And then with that, the other guys slide into things. like Hugo and Wills, to me, would be much better players with an Ezzy supplying them. But even even the best players in the world don't necessarily, you know, aren't necessarily firing perfectly every game because, you know, defenders and midfielders can work them out. And they, you know, before, like Steve was talking about analysis and preparation, when teams come to play QPR, they know who our best players are and they will work out how to shut them down, especially West Brom. West Brom pretty much double teamed him every time he was on the ball and didn't give him any space. And, and that's how you do it. So even, you know, Raheem Sterling's had a, you know, pretty decent season so far, but he hasn't scored in a couple of games. And, you know, even even some of the best players in the world can be found out. So it's, it's you can't always expect it to always work. Right, right. Let's, let's, let's bring Steve in here on this one. Before Steve hear, says anything, I, I, at this point, I I often think, what is Steve Slade thinking at this point? <laughs> We're talking about world-class players. Carry on. And the fireworks have stopped for you, Steve. There you go. Well, I mean, Steve Slade was, was our saviour once <laughs> once upon a time, coming from Spurs. Apparently, apparently, things are just slow don't, down. Don't stop me. But Him I and Steve Morrow. Flo made a great point. We, we're all human beings at the end of the day. And footballers aren't going to perform to their best week in, week out. It doesn't happen. We need, to, we need to be realistic about what we do in terms of our aims and objectives and performances. You know, so for Ezzy... The games he has played so far, <laughs> you know, he's been superb on the pitch. He's one that gets the bums on seats and people are enthused when they see him play on the pitch, you know, because he creates time for himself and space and he's got a good swagger about him and, um, you know, we, we need to... And he's a nice guy nice. by all accounts Very nice as well. Guy. Yeah, yeah, he is, yeah. Um, and are we going to hold on to him? I hope so. I do hope so. I believe so as well. But again, from watching the team from the start of the season... I think for the first few games, and I'm sure on your way home you go through the team and who had a good game, who had a bad game. I think 11 players on the pitch, you couldn't pick out one player who, you know, underperformed in in any in any of the, in any of the games. And I think in the last three games, 
you'd probably, certainly the last two home games that I've seen, we could sit in the car on the way home and say, yeah, probably didn't perform as well. And for me, Eze, Eze and Chair, when they're not performing at the top of their game, I think we, we, we don't look as, as um, dominant in the, sort of in the last third. We didn't have enough end products. Um, and for me, actually, I prefer seeing Chair on the ball because he's, for me, he feels more direct. As soon as he gets the ball, he, run, he wants to run forward. He takes the ball forward. He carries the ball forward. Eze, you can see he receives the ball. He receives the ball a lot back to goal. He sort of almost has to sort of run towards his own goal to sort of turn to sort of go forward. I think Chair feels for me a little bit more direct, and he excites me more as a as a, as a fan. Um, but then, as we've said, there's so much talent in that team. They've just all got to play together and be on the same wavelength. And 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 I think you know that's the exciting stuff that we've. we've it is really exciting enjoyed. because we've got a lot of lot of talent, a lot a lot of young talent. Mm. And um, you know, if you look at the manager's job. The analysis starts on the opponents the, the, the moment a game finishes. Mm-hmm. So you can imagine that you know the, the clubs in the championship are doing their homework on players at Rangers. And there are times where we think we get frustrated because we can't see the players perform the skills and techniques they have done in previous games. However, managers have got jobs to do and they've got, you know, they've got to try and keep themselves in employment. OK, right. We're going to pause on this for a minute. I'm sure we'll come back to it. But um, we're just going to speak to QPR legend Dave Thomas, who's going to be at the ground on Saturday. He's got an autobiography coming out. He's going to be signing copies of it. And uh, I'd urge everyone to buy a copy. I will be. So let's go to Dave now. Dave, first of all, how are you? I'm OK, thanks. I'm, I'm fine. Absolutely OK, yeah. Uh, yep. Brilliant. Um, I, I, I hear you're returning to Loftus Road on Saturday. Can you explain what that's about? Uh, yeah, I'm very kind of QPR to inv- invite me down on uh, Saturday to the game. I'm uh, I'm coming down to uh, do a book signing where I've just brought out an autobiography, uh, obviously about my my life and obviously a big change in my life by getting my guide dog Hannah, and obviously um, it's it's been pretty hectic the last few weeks and uh, obviously I'm doing this um, uh, autobiography and all my proceeds are going to, all my royalties are going to go to guide dogs and that's the only reason that I actually said I would do it because I didn't want to do it but uh, the guy who actually wrote the book David Roberts um, he contacted me quite a few months ago and one of the reasons he's a Watford supporter, and David, uh, for the last 20 years of his life, all voluntary, he commentates for the blind or visually impaired at every home game at Watford. So I thought, well, he's my type of guy, and when I met him uh, a couple of times, I said, I'll do it, on one condition, that my fundraising continues for Guido, because I know what a massive difference to my guide dog. I was, I was, how she changed my life, really. Amazing. Ah, well, well, first of all, that's a lovely thing to do. And secondly, so please, the last time we spoke to you on the podcast, I think you're in the process of trying to get a guide dog. So, yeah. A, I'm really glad that's been sorted out. And B, um, that, that's a great thing to do. And, yeah, I obviously encourage everybody or anybody who's at Loftus Road on Saturday to come. Where, where are you going to be? Do you know yet? I think in the, in the club shop, I think. And from what time, uh, Dave? Obviously, I think where they sell all the QPR memorabilia, I think. Brilliant. Um, so I should be in there for about a good hour and a half, I think, I would think. Um, so as I said, it'd be so nice if a lot of people come and, and support 
uh, and buy the book. And obviously, it, in my royalties are going to go to guide dogs because it's just something that I've been um, quite passionate about since getting Hannah. And uh, I just can't tell you how much these dogs change people's lives. Um, just amazing, amazing. Oh. That's brilliant to hear, mate. And obviously Loftus Road returning there, a lot of special memories for you. Well, Q- QPR will always be a special club to me. I think as, you know, we're going back here, getting here 40-odd years now, a long, long time ago. Uh, but by Jove, um, I'm sure lots of fans will still remember that team we had of the 75-76. Well, it was a run-up to then, and very sadly... It disappeared in about 77, didn't it? So sad. But those from 1972 to 77 was the most wonderful, one of the most wonderful times in my in my life and um, football career. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm old enough to remember you running down the wing, just about old enough, I should say, with yeah. your socks around your ankles. Uh, yeah. That was your trademark, wasn't it? Uh, flying down that wing, either wing, I think. You sort of rotated a bit, didn't you? It did. We, it was just something that, uh, I don't know, really. We we just had that, that type of team. It just literally picked itself, really, as you probably know. You could just week in, week out, week in, week out. It was it was just a very rigid 4-3-3. And uh, unless there was the odd injury, <clears throat> people would take your place, but... When there was always a full team, it was the same old eleven that week in week out. And you know, when you think we played forty odd matches those years, and uh, yeah, quite quite incredible, really. You know, football has changed dramatically now um, with the media, you know, the merchandising. So, but uh, yeah, it was a, it was a fabulous time for me, and I think a lot of that era would say exactly the same. Of that, of, of that team it was just a magical time at QPR no it was amazing and I mean you're all absolute legends but there's probably one player who gets talked about a little bit more than most in that team Stan Bowles what's your yep. best memory of Stan well Stan as I've said you know I've, I've said a couple of times in my book Stan was a maverick he really was he was and there was quite a lot in my era as you know you had George Best you had Worthington Alan Hudson you had um you know, they there were there were players who really were, particularly Stan as well and George. Yeah, I mean, you couldn't coach these guys. There was so much natural talent. Stan was loved by the QPR fans. They absolutely idolised him, and uh, and what a wonderful player. I mean, a completely different lifestyle <laughs> to myself. Yeah, but that was Stan. You know, we all accepted him. You know, which we all know was a massive gambler, a massive gambler. But, you know, it was interesting. I used to strip next to him every home game. And, you know, he would always come down at 10 to 3 to get changed. And Gordon Jago and Dave Sexton knew exactly how to handle him. You know, if you set the stand, I want you to come down at, at half past two. For a team talk, Stan would have just turned around and said, right, blow you, I'm going to go home. And he would have done that. But they just absolutely knew because he'll have been upstairs in the players' lounge, he'll have been watching the, the horse racing, came down and less than 10 minutes, put his kit on, went out, had no stretches or anything, and 
you know, in the probably the six years I was there, I can probably count on one hand how many times Stan was injured. Amazing, amazing. And 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 people like George Best were like that. They were just unique talent. Couldn't coach them, but certain managers would have found them very, very difficult to handle. But but Gordon and Dave just knew exactly how to handle him. You couldn't, I mean, he'd come in late for training, quite regular. He was a one-up. He was an absolute one-up, but uh, what a player. And another person I really liked, well, I love Stan. He was a lovely lad, very quiet, very humble. But, uh, you know, he, he was a maverick. He, in his own sort of way, he knew he was the king of Loftus Road. So, uh, but the fans, the fans adored him because what a player. Brilliant. And you weren't too shabby either, Dave, to be fair. So, uh, I said you weren't too shabby either, to be fair, mate. Uh, <laughs> just oh, well, on, on well, behalf we, of the QPR we were, fans, we're we just... Were, oh, sorry. We were different players, you know, and that's what makes a team gel, doesn't it? You know, yeah, they were just wonderful characters. And when I came down in 1972 from Burnley, you can imagine coming from a Lancashire town, or my north-east lad originally, but coming down from Burnley to the bright lights of London, I thought, oh, my God, this is unbelievable. <laughs> you had Venables, Tony Mancini, you had Frank McClintock was there, Dave Webb, uh, Jerry, Stan. I mean, these people were, you know, what I would call pretty streetwise. And <laughs> I just, I grew up so quick. I mean, I was a very naive 22-year-old and, you know, but... Uh, but, uh, you know, I didn't really want to come to London, really, I'll be honest with you, but <laughs> by George, it was the best move ever. Uh, you're not wrong, mate. Well, <clears throat> thanks again for, for everything uh, you did for QPR. Um, and, yeah, I urge everyone to go and see you at the club shop. Sounds like it's going to be a really entertaining read as well. Um, and uh, it's been a pleasure talking to you, mate. Absolute pleasure to all. I'm really look, looking forward to coming down. Um my family's going. Some of my family are going to be with me, and uh, it's just a, a special place, great place. Oh, great, Dave! Lovely to talk to you, and we'll, I'll come and say hello on Saturday, as I'm sure we yeah, all will. Please do. Take care. You too. Bye bye. Bye. Thanks very much. Now, bye bye. Bye bye. Bye. Do you know what? Sometimes doing this podcast, and we've done it a long time now, and we have. By the way, Steve, we've been trying to get you on for years. Thank you for coming in. By the way, just saying. How many um, years? Uh, two weeks. Um, <laughs> This is a private joke. Don't worry, people. We we like each other. Um, yeah, that got me. I was really emotional. Sometimes you hear the way people talk about QPR and it's kind of like we or they and you kind of can't make your mind up. He loves us. And you can tell. And he loves his guide dog. And I just don't understand how someone of his ability, of what he'd done for the club and the way that he played doesn't realise what a frigging talent he was. Mm. You know, we have, I've got an image that I used to, in Northern Ireland, you'd see the, I used to rely on football monthly. So you'd see the no shin pads, the socks down, and just this fella flying like a flash down the wing or whatever you see it. And, and so humble, so nice. And I'd like him to go around schools. I'd like him to talk to young footballers. I'd like him to see that, you know, you've got two choices. you Football will take you maybe three or four or a hundred ways in life. But he's brave. Whatever he went through in the football pitch, what he's going through now and everything else, he's brave. And I hope everyone supports Spook. He's an amazing guy. And um, yeah, I, I would 
be a lot of people shedding tears with that interview and I'll probably be one of them well you could see <clears throat> you could hear sorry he was very um, each time he mentioned Loftus Road uh, he could barely finish the sentence because yeah. uh, just the memories and yeah I think choked everybody up flow Steve I want to know he was talking about Sam Bowles and George Best never warming up and only getting injured once would anyone get away with that now on your side they would and they'll be out the door. <laughs> Just once and once only. Would you forgive? Okay. Adult reps. Treps. <laughs> Adult. And him. Yeah. Do you know what? I was in the weather spins earlier. Walks into your d- door, your football manager, and he says, you know what, I can't be arsed to train, but this is what I can do. What would you say to him? Well, uh, <laughs> I'll give him a chance. That's you see? Give him a chance. I mean, football's changed so much over the years. When I first went down to Loftus Road. Some players didn't warm up before games. Yeah. I'd always see Will Neil on the pitch and, and other Some players, even had cigarettes. Some players, yeah, some players had a fag and a couple Back of it. drinks. But they played the, the games of their lives, you know, so... But do you think that was unique to us in some ways because we were kind of... Although we're a London club, because mm. me, Chris and Steve and Johnny are of a certain era. And, um, hold on a minute, hold on. <laughs> I didn't see Dave Thomas live. I just watched the videos. You're as old as me. Just stop pretending to yourself. Is it, once you accept it, Steve, you can embrace the cricky knees and the back pain like me and Chris have. But I'm just wondering, yes, you have. Um, I'm just wondering, like, we were unique because we were under the radar of a lot of the clubs. We were kind of sexy. We were beautiful. We had a great kit. We had everything going for us with all these players. And we're under the radar. And just listen to Dave Thomas, you kind of realise how beautiful that team was. And at least it all went wrong in 77. But who would have thought that a team like Queen's Park Rangers could go into the UEFA Cup and just lose to AKF Athens the way we did and, and the dreams and everything they built? I just, I love that QPR side. I love what they did. I love the side in the 80s. I loved all this. I love being on the radar. And I kind of, th- I don't know what you think, but I kind of think the money ruins a wee bit. For me, as, as a supporter, the best season in the 80s was uh, under Jim Smith, actually. We played. He won a lot of games. People don't realise this, but his actual winning record was pretty damn it was, good. It was good. I'll never forgive him for Oxford, but that's just me personally. But carry on. Well, thanks on that. No. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but we played some beautiful football under Jim Smith. You know, with, mm. with, with flying wing backs and, you know, we had a bit of swagger and some flair. We got some big results against teams like Liverpool, Chelsea, Man United. And then obviously in the, in the 90s under Jerry Francis, again, it was, it was a great time to be a QPR supporter. And it's funny because there were times during that era where my friends and I would be criticising some of the players and thinking, oh, come on, why can't we be the champions? But then you look back and you think we had it so good at that time. Mm. For a small club as we are, you know, with a core fan base of 12,000, like, week in, week out, I love this world. We've done really well, exceptionally well that, you know, that period. Yeah, no, we did. Uh, unfortunately, it's come to the time where we come to the R's end. For those of you who don't know, that's... Uh, when we just talk about something about QPR related or anything really um, that that you haven't said so far, Steve, do you want us to come back to you on that, or are you ready to go now? Well, no, you come back to me. I want okay. to hear what Finney's got to say. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I'll come back to you in about half an hour then. This is worth the journey. Finney, do I you want to be inspired. Okay, Johnny's going to go first. So I'll, I'll start. I'll keep it uh, brief uh, as I always do because I need to leave time for Finney at the end. <laughs> You will ask me back. I know you will. Come on. Um, so two things. Um, so just to just to go back to the points you made earlier, from 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 my point of view, from what we've had to sit through the last few years, I've been very happy with what we've seen this this season, and it does feel like the last few games um, certainly a bit of negativity, even in the room tonight, and also you know on social media. 
Um, and I do feel that sort of you know, we're, we are positioned where I thought we we probably would be overall. So, um, and some of the football's been breathtaking uh, as well this season. So as a fan, pretty happy with that. And hopefully that sort of, you know, continues through to now to the end of the season. Um, and also a shout out to uh, Billy Alexander, who is um, QPR season ticket holder, 15 year old lad who um, injured himself playing rugby. Um, he has a... Uh, uh, a double fracture or multiple fracture of his lower spine. He will make a full recovery, um, but he's not able to go to um, the games for the next few weeks at least. I think he's sort of six weeks lying flat on his back. So uh, shout out to him and uh, wishing you a, a very fast, speedy, quick recovery. Yeah, get well soon, mate. Finney is going to go. Is that Andrew's son? Yes. Oh, shit. Oh, no, he's not. He's passing Finney it to Flo. Finney needs more time. Yeah. Uh, more time for what? <laughs> <laughs> Lord knows. <laughs> My hours end is uh, a, a, a announcement that only went out, I think, about an hour ago now. Um, Chris Ramsey, the head of coaching at QPR, has been given an MBE for services to football. Absolutely, um, yeah, absolutely. And himself and Mark Prince, who we've had on this podcast, were also uh, named on the football blacklist. So congratulations to both of them for all the work they've done in the community as well as all the football work as well. So um, it's good to have some QPR names getting um, the recognition they deserve. Absolutely. Finney? I, I can follow up. Um, my R's end is, is quite... In, well, um, I was a pro... <sighs> For people who follow Twitter, you know who Sludger is on Twitter and stuff like that, QPR fan in Australia. His friend died before um, the Brentford game in tragic circumstances. John Mooney was buried on the Monday of the Brentford match. So while we're all getting, I'm getting anxious about losing to them lot for middle sex and stuff, there's other things in football that mean much more. And um, he was a lifelong Oz fan, went home and away. And um, to his family and everyone that knew John, I could only say things that wouldn't mean much but I'm really sorry for your loss and um, yeah tell him to give Daphne our love um, my other Oz end is I'm sorry for whinging I hate losing to Brentford and Fulham not as much as I hate losing to Chelsea because that does my head in beyond belief and Luton I think in a in a, in a, in a, in a sort of table of who I don't want to lose to I don't want to lose to anyone Brentford because they just they're trying to build this false hatred that I never had. I mean, I tell this story loads of times. I got chased by Brentford fans, and I thought they were Stoke fans, and it really wound them up. But I wasn't being funny. I just came over in the boat. I don't know who the hell they were. Anyway, and um, I hate them. And I hate Fulham because they've got clappers and they're crap, and they're horrible, and they'll probably sack... So- st- they're gonna, you just know, before we play them, they're going to sack him. They're just going to sack him, and we're going to get that horrible bounce. Fulham, if you sack Stoke, your man Parker before we play them and then it ends badly for us I will not be happy because I, I just know what's going to happen so I want Fulham to win on Saturday which I know is wrong because I want to beat them I want to beat every team in West London or Middlesex Steve well I'm feeling I'm still feeling positive about things yeah go on of course of course come on I have to be because <laughs> why be negative we're living we're breathing we're enjoying life uh, Crystal Palace away yes, yes? okay Neil Warnock as manager we went over to Palace and, and got a win and survived and the following season went up as champions and I saw you smiling beaming ear to ear I was close to the penis <laughs> 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 no you're right and that's do you know what 
I didn't expect you to come out with something so profound and so wonderful. But doesn't that just sum football up? You could it be does. on your donors and the following season, it's just beautiful. And even then, with a small matter of maybe not going up because of uh, Ali Fallid and you know all that nonsense, and oh, could it be QPR where you actually win the league but can't celebrate it because of bloody FA? <laughs> um, yeah, that was like the original VAR, wasn't it? We were waiting for about three weeks yeah. before we could actually knew whether we could celebrate. Or but not. that day, that that bright sunny day in South London, I looked into your eyes, and there was a moment where we could hug each other. I think we did actually. <laughs> oh, I said, Tony, do you, do, you, do you want us to leave? We can. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'll be honest with you. I thought you were someone else. <laughs> <laughs> right, I'm going to come to my R's end. It's a quick R's end, but quite a long prediction. So uh, just a quick mention for Aramidi Ote, who's averaging a goal every game and a half, I think it is. Was man of the match last weekend as Bradford are chasing promotion. Um, so there are rumours swirling around, as they do at this time of year, the silly season that Naki Wells might be going to here, there and everywhere. So if he does, and if we're allowed to, we could do worse than bring him back into the fold. So that brings me on to the prediction. So QBR Middlesbrough is the first game I took my daughter to nine years ago. We won 3-0 with Helgeson, Hogan, Mackey getting the goals and our Adel to Rabbit, I think, was man of the match that day. I think my um, kids, uh, that was their debut game as well. Was it, really? Yeah. <coughs> the thing was, her mum's a Liverpool fan and she still, even after that, took her to like a festival uh, like in the park beforehand, won 3-0, sunshine, and she was still, her mum's team's was, Liverpool. Was it 0-0 half-time? I can't remember that far back. Because I, I remember, I'm it sure, it, I, I think it might have been there, yeah. where at half-time, my two kids, I think they were probably like seven and four or five. Yeah, she and was And at half-time, it was nil-nil, and it was, I'm bored, I want to go home. <laughs> well, this Thank is, God we stayed. Well, this is it, yeah, but with, after that, I was thought, because her mum's a Liverpool fan, I thought, well, there's no no question now she's going to be QPR, and she still hadn't made her mind up, but it was a few weeks later, she took her to a second game, Burnley at home, pouring rain, one-all draw, to Rab scored a brilliant free kick, as I recall. And her mum was there and she, and she said, right, I'm going home. Come on, Nancy. And she goes, no, I'm staying here. And I was like, yes, I've got you. So on the back Run of all that, we won 3-0 that day. So more of the same. That's yeah, my prediction, 3-0. Lily's first, first game was when she was six months at Aylesbury away. But her first proper game at Rangers, we got tanked by Middlesbrough. So that's weird. Well, there you go. I remember that game. That was horrible. Slide indoors. Um, right, predictions. I've given mine 3-0 QPR. Yeah, you, just, you just did. Yeah, exactly. So, John, Johnny. Um, so, I'm not sure we're ready to keep a clean sheet yet. So, uh, 2-1, Rangers. Finney? I've been thinking about this a lot. And it's... it's like, we all go back a bit. Um, even those that don't, like Flo and Johnny and whatever. Do you know when someone hasn't scored for so many games... And the team hasn't won away from home for 45 years and been relegated and been refounded and got a new name and come back and blah, 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 turned into a car plant. Um, <laughs> I hate playing them teams. And I'm saying nothing because I'm shiting myself because they're due a win at some point and I don't want it to be Saturday. But I want us to win, but it's so on the cards that we're supposed to win that... Uh, so, prediction for any? I'm not doing one. Okay, fine. Flo? I think we've won one of the last six games against Borough, but I think we're a much better team than them, so 3-1. Still no clean sheet, but we'll score. Okay, I'll Steve. Steve, fittingly, we're going to give the last word well, to you. I Can think... I just say what a brilliant new guest you've been, and it's, it's been great to have you here. So, thanks very, thanks yeah, very nice much. Sir. Absolute pleasure. I think... I mind the cider. I think on Saturday, we'll have the fans roaring... Victoria, Loftus Road, we're going to win 2 0. Brilliant. Please, sheet! 
Clean sheet. Actually, before we do go, Steve, a final last word. Just one more reason why people should be coming down and watching your team. Well, we play our home ground's Harlington. So we train. So we train twice a week and we play games at Harlington and the men's training ground on Sunday afternoons. 2pm kickoffs, And we've got lots of genuine supporters that support us week in, week out. Steve Russell's been to many games, Alan Barnes. Um, and a lot of fans who, who sit around me in the Loftus Road stand. Nicky Black Market has spoken to me many times as a DJ, Tony McKenzie and others. You know, they, come, they want to come down to the game. So we've got an open door policy. We're a friendly bunch of players and friendly bunch of staff. So please come down and support us because the players would really appreciate it. Brilliant. Thanks very much, Steve. Thanks, everybody. This has been Open All Ours. See you next week. UPR.